0: Do you want to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God? Do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to live it out boldly and effectively in your life? Welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast, a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in Christ through the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are so glad you are taking the time to be with us. So get ready. Now here's your co-hosts, Brooke Bartz and Erin Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse.
1: Hello ladies, we are so glad you are back with us. It has been a while since we've been able to do our Open Hearts podcast. Erin and I, you know, for the month of July, we had the Open Hearts conference, and so we did that. So we kind of took a break. We've been preparing for that, getting everything ready to do that. And so we're glad to be back with you. And we are doing Second Timothy 1 8 through 11 um, for this podcast. And I want to say thank you again to the Bar Network. That is a part of um, the Bar Network, is the, a group of podcasters. And we are all together. We are biblical and reformed. And so we are on that network. So I want to say thank you to Dwayne Atkinson for that. And then I want to say thank you to Brandon Kimber of AGTV. You can also watch um, Open Hearts in a Closed World on our YouTube, our podcast, as well as the conference. And so we're great. We're excited to be back again to do the next part of our um, series on Second Timothy. So Aaron is going to pray for us and then we're going to get started. So
0: yes. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have written down for us through your Holy Spirit words that tell us the truth, put a light upon the gospel, and show us who the Lord Jesus Christ is so that we can be reconciled to you. We thank you so much for the book of 2 Timothy and just these verses that we're going to go through, and we're going to see your power on display and so many various aspects of the Christian life that. Um, We handle on a daily basis, and so we just pray that your Spirit would guide us and lead us into all truth. That you would allow us to have clarity of mind and help us to um, stay away from error. That we would be able to build up women to be able to live faithfully according to your Word and live out the Titus two ministry in their heart and in their homes, so that you are glorified and that your Word is not blasphemed. So we just pray you would be with us and that you would help us, Lord, in Christ's name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are the, we are the slow and steady. We're going to win the race, right? (laughs) So we are looking, we are on, uh, is it lesson four? For some reason, I thought we were on lesson three, but we are on lesson four and, uh, we're going through second Timothy one, eight through 11. So I'm just going to read the passage and it says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, But join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And so we have Paul here still talking to Timothy. We know that Paul is imprisoned. This is his last leg of the race. He is a Um, political prisoner under the rule of Nero and he is sitting in a dungeon and he has written this most beautiful letter to Timothy as he passes the baton of truth to his apostolic delegate and Timothy obviously is feeling all of the things he would be feeling as his Father in the faith is facing death, and his most beloved friend. So, he's not only his father in the faith, he is his trusted friend and ministry partner. There is nobody with whom Paul has more kindred spirit than Timothy. And so, Timothy's just feeling probably a little bit of fear and anxiety as he faces what. What am I going to face as my father in the faith is taken out of the way and I'm going to have to, to be the one that leads the charge now? And so he he probably has a little bit of timidness in his personality where he is starting to maybe back away or Paul is afraid that he is going to back away. And so he's telling him that he has not been given a spirit of fear and that he is supposed to use his spiritual gifts in a way that shows the power of God on display and that Paul reassures his salvation that he knows from his grandmother and his mother, that they were faithful to teach him, um, the sacred writings and that he was not to have a spirit of timidity. He was not to allow not only what was going to happen to Paul to have him back down from speaking the truth and faithfully serving with his spiritual gifts, but that he was everything he would face after Paul is gone until the day that he dies. And we know that Timothy is imprisoned after that Hebrews tells us that he's finally been released. So, um, but we know that he's going to face everything that a faithful uh, believer in Christ faces. And that is going to be persecution. And so here, Um, Paul starts with the word therefore he is not to be ashamed of the testimony because God has given him a, a spirit of power and love and of discipline he now is to live in that gospel power and that he is to faithfully see that in the outworking of his life through faithfully serving in the position that God has given him as an apostolic delegate and to put elders in place and to make the church strong and so we just see this beautiful passage here that is so jam-packed full of um suffering and that god has called us and he has given us a holy calling we have been saved by grace alone through faith alone and that he really um emphasizes the resurrection here and immortality and what an encouragement that would have been to timothy as he's looking down the the road that he's going to have to walk and what is ours in future glory and so there's just so much encouragement from this passage um, that we can glean from today, and and so Paul just starts there with with the therefore, um, and because Timothy was was saved and he was given these gifts, he was not to shrink back, he was not to shrink away, he was not to be un, uh, he was not to be ashamed, he was to be unashamed um, of Paul and the Lord, and uh, he was to be fearlessly loving by the Spirit in the, in a self controlled life, and uh, and to be faithful with the Lord's testimony. So that's a recap.
1: (laughs) Yes. And, you know, we can do these things. We can have power, love, sound discipline because of like, therefore, because we have these things, we don't have to be ashamed of the testimony, right? The living words of Christ. So we don't have to fear because God has given everything that we need through the spirit when he imparted the spirit to us when we were given the gifts. And so they were given these gifts that make them teachers and preachers of the word of God. And so just as Paul has carried the flame, you know, so faithfully, and he's trying to kindle that in Timothy, Timothy also has these gifts, right? And so he doesn't have to be afraid. And he has that self-discipline. He has that sound mind. He can be self-controlled and um, he can think with sound judgment and all these things are going to help Timothy, right? As he has to carry the baton. Um, If Timothy was afraid if, if he wasn't encouraged Paul is encouraging him by saying no therefore because you have these things right that we've learned about in the previous verses like Aaron said you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be ashamed of the testimony of God and so I think that's so important as we talk about that because we as well have the Holy Spirit right we have been given the Holy Spirit and um Therefore, we do not have to be ashamed in where we live with the persecution that we're going to be facing. Um, And we need to see ourselves as well as it says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony. So the living words of God, Paul is also a living testimony of God's faithfulness through him, through suffering, because he's endured. He's run the race, like Aaron said, it's his last leg. And so he says the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, he says his prisoner which I love because I think this is such an encouragement to us. You know, whenever I see, and I will probably get emotional thinking about, but James and Aaron have been such an encouragement. And I know I say it all the time, but um, James was not, when he was in prison, he wasn't a prisoner of Canada or of, he is a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he suffered just like Paul did faithfully. And so we need to remind ourselves that, we're not a prisoner to this world system. We're not a prisoner to the corrupt political, you know, rules we're seeing these laws that are just there. You know, we're not, we're not a prisoner. We're, we're a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And we need to understand that as a prisoner, we're going to suffer. That's what you do as a prisoner, you, you know, and so you might be jailed for your faith. And so it just makes me think of James and how faithful he was in our time to be that light um you know tim Stevenson, and so many more and there will be more coming and if they you know if they crank this you know vaccine back up and the masks and you know that that there's going to be there's going to be a a line that the churches have to stand on you have to stand on the truth of the word of god you cannot be ashamed of the gospel you have to be willing to be a prisoner like paul And like Paul's encouraging Timothy, like, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I am not a prisoner of, um, you know, my, of, of anything that, that um, this world is, you know, he's not a prisoner of Nero, he's not a prisoner of, of, um, and so we need to join in, right? We can join in the suffering as well. And that's an encouragement to us as ladies, um, because um, Paul didn't consider himself a prisoner of Rome or the country. He is for a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And he bore the marks, like it says in Galatians 6, 17 of Christ on his body. And when he suffered, he was imprisoned for speaking truth, for being unwavering in his faith. And can you say that about yourself? Like, I can say that about James. I can say that about who Aaron is, how she faithfully, you know, while her husband was there, she was able to speak out to people and say, no, like join with us suffer for the gospel. Like my husband is doing right now for the body of Christ, for the sheep. This is what our pastors and our elders are called to do. They're to protect, they're to defend. When you defend the gospel, you're going to be persecuted. When you truly defend the gospel, you're going to be persecuted. And so Are you willing to be in prison for your faith? It's a, it's a good question for us. You know, are you willing by telling the people of the truth of God's word of sharing the gospel of not being ashamed of the testimony? Do you realize what that could cost you and will you stand like Paul did? And so that verse should encourage us. Um, and that's the application we can take to our life in this day and age, you know, that we need to be encouraged as well because we're seeing history repeat itself, right? More and more, we're seeing that the gospel is becoming more hostile And not just in third world countries where missionaries are, no, it's in America, it's in Canada, um, and we're supposed to have freedom to worship Christ, but our freedom is costing us, and it will cost us and make us, you know, prisoners of the gospel. So remember, you're a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a prisoner of the state or this country, or if you're put in jail for your faith, that's not ultimately who you're suffering for you're suffering for the truth of God's word because you're a prisoner of Christ. And so what do you think, Aaron?
0: Yeah, and I mean you're suffering for his testimony, right? And what's the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's his life, death, and resurrection. And so we and and not only that, but we're called to this holy calling, this holy living and a holy life that as we are set apart to be the bride of Christ, there's a certain way he's asked us to live. And so when we suffer, we suffer because of his testimony. His testimony is our testimony. You know, when we were going through what we were going through and, and people are saying just wild things, like, aren't you worried about your testimony? It's like, what's my testimony? My testimony is the resurrection is the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only means of salvation. And, and that's my testimony. People hate me because of that. That's not on me. That's on them. And so, um, I think if you're not suffering for the gospel or the Lord Jesus Christ, you really have to ask yourself, am I ashamed am I ashamed? And it can come in varying degrees. It may not be, you know, you have to stand up and open your church when the government is going to jail you. It may be little things like being faithful to share the truth with people who are, you know, living in the world in your family. Are you being faithful with sharing the gospel? Are you being faithful to even pray in public? Do those things cause you anxiety or, you know, there's varying degrees in ways which we show we're ashamed. And so if you're not, and, and varying degrees of suffering, And so if suffering is not coming to you and and maybe you're in a season where, you know, you are a faithful person, but you're just in a season where, where the Lord has given you a reprieve from some of that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, have you ever suffered for the gospel? Because if you are being faithful, especially in this generation and being faithful to speak the truth, you will be persecuted all of those who desire to live righteously in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so that that's going to come in again, varying degrees, but, but we want to be faithful. And it's his testimony that we give uh, our life to. And, uh, and so we, we really just have to be faithful to that. And, uh, there was another thought that I had, but it, it, it's gone away. (laughs) Well, and it's the
1: power of God. So that's divine strength given to us in those times where, you know, the apostles evidently were, you know, they were on trial, they were being in prison, they were being, you know, stoned, you know, Paul, we know everything that went through. Now Paul's talking as he's in prison, but he says, according to the power of God, that power doesn't change because Paul is in prison because it's indwelled in us because of the Holy Spirit. And so we can rely on the strength of the Lord in those times um, to carry us. It's not a strength in our own. It's divine. It's supernatural. It's never in our own strength. And we have evidence of that because we have the life of Paul and we see his faithfulness through that. And he's saying, Timothy, look, I've been your example, right? You have the same power according to the power of God. And so he's just reminding him. And it's a good reminder to us that we have that same power. And so we don't have to be afraid or timid. We don't have to have a cowardly, you know, it's a cowardly fear that, um, you know, MacArthur talks about. It's not a, it's not a. Uh, it's not that it's not a fear that makes us ashamed, right? Like that's a, that's a cowardly fear, right? But we have, we have, we don't have to be afraid. So we have the power of God, um, working in us through the spirit. And so that's, that should be a comfort to us as well, as we are walking through trials, like Aaron said, regardless of, um, how big or how small you might think they are, you know, we're still as believers going to be persecuted. We're going to be put in, Situations where our faith needs to be proven genuine. And we need to remember that we don't do those things in our own strength. We do in the power of
0: God. So, yeah. And how many believers do not live within the power of God? Like they don't recognize that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us, that the immutable God in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells mightily within us, we have. That the resurrection power allotted to us, and when you think about the fact that the power of sin, okay, well, well, the wages of sin is death. That's how powerful sin is. That that one eating of the fruit, which is true. This is not an allegory. This is a factual event that happened with the first man and the first woman. Woman, she ate of the fruit, and that launched the entire human race into an eternity of hell. That is how powerful and serious sin is but jesus christ has overcome the power of sin and death through his resurrection and so we have that same power that dwells mightily within us to put sin to death to be able to be bold in these moments but i think so so many times we let our flesh overcome us and uh, we're not walking by the spirit we and we end up carrying out the deeds of the flesh and uh But I think sometimes because we're reformed and and we want to stay away from like the crazy aspects of like the, the counterfeit, um, displays of God's power that we actually might swing the pendulum a little bit too far but the power of Christ is found in the appropriation of his word by the spirit you want to be a a powerful Christian live in your weakness (laughs) let the power of God be put on display in you because his power is sufficient and his power is made perfect in your weakness second Corinthians um and and live according to his word that is like a powerful spirit-filled life and uh and it's according to the power of God that we suffer in, in this gospel. And I, I've seen that in my own life, um, especially with going through what we went through, you know, I'm a very frail person. I've got some autoimmune issues and diseases. And, uh, so one of my fears was that I was not going to be able to handle what was coming at me when James went to jail and having to do all these interviews and trying to free him. And, um, but I saw, you know, I've got sleepless nights, I'm not eating, but I saw the power of God on display in a way I have never seen before. And that's why we don't have to fear suffering because the grace of God and the power of God is put on display in a way that we can just know him more and, and see him work in such a mighty and powerful way. So we don't have to fear suffering because actually those are moments to know him better and to see those things on display. And, uh, You know, I, I, um, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, I said, it's really, you you know, you don't love suffering. Like we don't have a martyr's complex here, but I will admit to you since the government has kind of eased up a little bit on us, I am starting to see an apathy and indifference starting to come back to God's people and even having to wrestle it in my own heart. Like what is going on here? (laughs) And, but, but when you are being, when you are suffering for something, for the cause of Christ, all of those things fall away. The world falls away, distractions fall away, and you are set on the Lord Jesus Christ and what his plan is, but not that you, you love, you have the martyrs complex and you love suffering, but you actually recognize the benefit of it and how it sanctifies you. And, um, there's a boldness in you to speak the gospel. And so if you ever hit suffering in in a way like that, don't be afraid of it. Just trust the Lord. And he is going to give you everything you need to be able to face that for his glory.
1: You know, Romans 14, eight, we live for the Lord. We die. We die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's and we can rest in that, right? We know that God, we know that God is going to to give us all things we need because his word is truth and he promises us that he will, he will be with us. And so we don't have to be ashamed. And, you know, I was thinking about how are, what are some practical ways that you can teach your children, your, you know, your church, you know, not to be ashamed of the gospel you know i mean i think about with with claire some practical ways i mean obviously like the word commands us to pray you know to not fear you know we're to to continually be sanctified by the renewing of our mind the way we do that is we stay in the word we read it we know what's going on um we need to have wisdom in this time we need to be discerning we need to see what the culture is saying and we need to be able to refute those lies with the word of god and you know some practical ways just to to strengthen your children to understand and not be ashamed of the gospel is, you know, we read biographies and we think about Whitfield and think about these men that were so godly that were able to continue to stand. And there's some great resources. Um, you know, we, li- we've been listening to um, MacArthur's podcast, you know, and so we will listen to that. And that's always just such a strength to hear, you know, talked about Russia and Ukraine and how he's continued to just pour forth truth to people, even in the midst of their dire suffering. And and you hear their testimonies and they're another example of a living testimony and they're in, you know, they are being persecuted for their faith. And so letting my daughter, you know, letting Clara see that this is not just a, this is not an immune, like isolated, the body of Christ worldwide, the universal church, the local church. If we are living for Christ faithfully, we're going to be persecuted, and, and not you know. And so, I think there's there's also um, roadmap to the truth with John Fabares. It's on AGTV. That's been really good because he asks a lot of cultural questions with college students, and I think that's good because he obviously takes the what they're saying and then he gives them the Word of God, the truth, and he defends the gospel that way. And um, those are those are good things as we are trying to help our children to not be ashamed of the gospel. And, you know, the more we read, the more we study, the more that God gives us that, that strength, because we're being built up in the spirit of God to be able to handle and refute. But you can't do that if you're not praying and reading and studying and, um, and knowing that that power of God, that is sufficient to raise Christ from the dead, like Aaron said, that same power lives within you. And so through the spirit and we are called to, um, to not be ashamed, to not be afraid. And so we live, we live for the Lord. We die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord. So I love that verse in Romans fourteen eight, And it's just another great reminder. So John MacArthur says this, um, I love this. Um, no matter how gifted a person may be, how well-trained, biblically literate, astute, articulate, and no matter much opportunity or privilege he may have, If he lacks spiritual courage and commitment, he will not speak and act effectively for the Lord, right? Like you've got to have that spiritual boldness and you've got to trust the Lord in those times that he's going to provide that through his spirit to you because his word is adequate and that's what builds us up and, and we don't have a spirit of fear. So we're to not be ashamed and we're to join in suffering for the gospel And for the testimony for the the name of Christ, like Paul is, you know, just trying to keep, you know, just putting these truths in front of Timothy as he's speaking to him. And, um, you know, we we talk about Philippians uh, 1, 12 and 14, you know, we know that in the imprisonment and the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear, like Aaron said, you're see you're going to see apathy start creeping back in. You know, when James was in prison, there was just this deep love of the body. Like around the world, we were just all bold, and people are, you know, and um, and it is when we start to see that that persecution kind of let up. You know, we can become you know apathetic, and so we need to remember that, um, you know, when when James was in prison. We were far more bold to speak the word of God without fear. And so don't lose that when you're going through a season where the church is not being persecuted or you're not personally going through, because that's when that's when your children. And that's when I think we need to be such a light for our children and our and in our in our walk with Christ and in our relationships and at the church is that, you know, you need to exhibit that same spirit. That same love, that same devotion, even when persecution is not there. Um, you know, you need to be bold for Christ in all ways because you will become apathetic. And, and you know, the neighbor that you were going to, to witness to, you know, you can you can kind of pull back on that a little bit. But when you see the church under fire and you see these things happening, that's when people want to get bold for the truth. I think we need to remember that we have that same spirit all the time. God's given us that and we need to continue to not, um, you know, not shirk away. Um, Sometimes when you're forced on the spot, you have to make a decision. But those decisions should always be the same. They should always be for Christ. We should never be ashamed of the testimony, whether we're in persecution or not. And, you know, that's the afflictions for the gospel. And it's not suffering, MacArthur says, for sinful actions, right? It's suffering for persecution, for the truth of the gospel. And it's active. It's an active it's an active suffering. So if you're active in your faith with Christ, then when you suffer, your faith is going to continue to be active. Join in the suffering. This is active because we know that this world has fallen and it's not going to be perfect until we're in glory where there's no more sin. There's no more injustice. There's nothing. So we have that promise of Christ that he's returning, that we're going to be like him in glory. So we don't shirk back. We don't hold fast. I mean, we hold fast, you know, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful Hebrews scene 23. And so that's important that we remember, um, how we need to, be. and, and I wanted to talk about like Aaron opportunities to share, to be faithful in suffering. Like how do we grow that faith? Like, um, we talked about, um, we suffer for the gospel, you know, join me in suffering. Do not be ashamed for the testimony. Um, we, we grow our faith through that because um, we're bold to share the gospel, bold to not fall away or compromise or worry. Um, you know, you can be tempted to choose the world when, um, you know, when persecution comes, you can be afraid and want to shirk back. And if I do this, then maybe I won't go to jail or I won't, you know, do this, but Christ tells us the opposite, right? Like if we are, if we are standing up for the gospel, then we're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted, and so we need to remember the the truths and the words of um, Paul as he's speaking to um, to Timothy. And as women of God, we need to be bold and be willing to stand up for the truth. How do we How do we grow in that faith when we are persecuted?
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's so simple. It's hard to live out, but 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 the answer is simple. <laughs> it, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength through his word. It's it's the word of God through the spirit of God that gives you power in those moments, gives you grace in those moments. And so God has chosen to work through the power of his word. And so if we're going to suffer well, we need to know the scriptures well. And not only know the scriptures well, but like verse nine, he saved us, but he's also called us with a holy calling. And so we have to make sure that we are doing our best to put off sin, to repent and to put on righteousness and to be walking faithfully, um, with the Lord in obedience. Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I, what I tell you to do, or, you know, abide in me and I, and you, um, and obey my commandments. That's he's the true vine. We have to obey his commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And so one of the things that, you know, you're probably not going to stand in the moment of difficulty if you're compromising in your life. So let's say like, you know, if you are dousing yourself with pornography, it's unlikely you're going to stand up against sexual sin like homosexuality um, because you are guilty of a sexual sin in your own life that you're just unwilling to put away. And so we need to make sure and we're not perfect. We're not going to do this perfect, but trajectory, like the trajectory of our life is holiness that when the Lord shows us sin, we're putting it off. So that's a really powerful way is where our life gives testimony to, to gospel power is that we're putting off, um, sin and putting on righteousness. And that's another way that we really teach our children too. People would always ask me like, like, how are your children responding? And, um, you know, how did you teach them? And it's like, well, we just live, we try to live faithfully. So when, when, when my kids watch my husband go to jail, they're not watching their dad do anything different than he does in his daily life every day. And that's standing on the truth and the word of God. And so he lives what he preaches. And so when he was arrested, it's because he's standing on the principles he's always held to in his life. And so that just spoke really loudly to my children of like, you know, well, dad's not doing anything different than he usually does. Or mom's not doing anything different than she usually does. We're just now on the world stage. So, which is a little uncomfortable, but um, yeah. So just living, living faithfully before the Lord. And, and I think that's, that's just the Christian life. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and in you love your neighbor as yourself. And, and it, the answer really is that simple. Now it's, it's more complex when you're living it out.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, and I love, I love what you said about, you know, if you're, if you're indulging in those sins, or if you're, you know, if you're living, one way in front of people and behind closed doors, you're, you know, you're heavily involved in, in sin, like pornography or sexual sin or, or those things don't bother you as much. So you let your kids watch this TV show or this movie, or you're, you know, or these, then when it, when it comes time to stand up for those things, you're, those things are not going to, you're not going to have as much discernment. Your conscience is not, you're not going to be affected by the truth of God's word because you're not standing against those things When you should be, anyways, right? And so that's that is a powerful practical truth. Like, stay away from sin. Stay away from those things that God abhors and detests, right? Like, and so that you are ready when persecution comes about those things, you're you're able to to live your life the same way that you should be before Christ, like like James does. This is how this is how they live their life. This is what our children see. If I live a different life than what I'm portraying to my daughter what am I saying about my faith in Christ? What am I saying about the power of God? What am I saying about the spirit working within me? I'm saying that I want to choose the world. I want to choose my sin. And so why would I be bold to stand against it when it's hit me in the face when I could just shirk back and maybe not have to go to jail, maybe not lose my job. Maybe this friend won't like me because I didn't stand up for something I know she shouldn't be watching or, or reading, you know, these are the things that we have to be able to be bold for and not ashamed. And if we're not ashamed of the living testimony of God, of the name of Jesus Christ, then, then we won't. And so that's a great practical thing is like, we need to avoid sinful desires and temptations. Like we need to flee those things and we need to, continually put the word of God in front of ourselves and be transformed by that, not the culture, not being conformed, not living a worldly life, not, um, you know, being okay with being, um, just getting by. I don't want to just get by because I know that in the midst of a, if a really hard time comes, I need the word of God. I need verses that I've memorized on those things. I need his truth to, to be my, to be my light and to help me walk And if I'm not reading it and studying it, if I'm not putting off simple desires, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be ready when that, when that time comes, I'm just not going to be ready. So it was nothing different for Aaron and James. Like they live that life out for their boys. Like we, we model that for Claire. That's who we are, you know? Um, And that's, that's important that they see that because they are going to look to you in those times to say, mom and dad should look the same every single time. They don't want you know, we don't need to cower. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. And you're going to see more and more people start to be ashamed when more and more things come. Like, you know, we've got abortion with Roe v. Wade. We've got LGBTQ. We've got critical race theory. I want, I want to know how to talk to my daughter about these things now and be bold. And I want to put off those simple things so that she sees that I'm able to to stand up for the truth, just like Paul was with Timothy. So the next verse says, um, it says what the holy, it says with the holy calling we read. Um, it says, according to the power of God. So we talked about the power of God who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. And, um, so Aaron, what, it, what do you want to say about that little section? Yeah.
0: I mean, obviously Paul is in prison because he's come up against Roman law and it was enough for them to jail him. And um, and so we are to view Paul's imprisonment that um, he knew everything would work out for his good and the glory of God and and for the, the greater good of the people, even though they had abandoned him at his first defense. Um, the Lord was still going to work through that. And, and, and so he was not to be ashamed. He was not to um, be embarrassed or feel guilty. And that was one thing when James went to jail, that people were trying to make me feel so guilty and so ashamed of him. And I just, my response to them was the same as Paul's. I will not be put to shame in anything. If anyone is going to convict me, I want to listen to people if I'm truly in sin. um, But I will not allow you to shame me For my husband's obedience um and so that's on you that's not on me um and so again we just have to see paul's imprisonment and not be ashamed of prisoners because you know if if a brother or sister is being imprisoned in jail anywhere in the world we're not to be ashamed of them because we're one with them and and it is the human tendency to be ashamed and we're ashamed because that could happen to us too and so you know you have to stand up if someone's gonna say you know what a what a fool for doing what he's doing you you as his brother or sister have to stand up and go um well actually I I I agree with him like I stand with him and so then that's gonna come on you so just just not being um ashamed in any way of the lord's testimony of of those who are in prison for righteousness sake it's not always going to be because you're proclaiming the death and resurrection of christ it's going to be for righteousness sake like in canada with the bill c6 and um, all the bills that are being passed in regards to us not being able to counsel people in regards to homosexuality or transgenderism or whatever um that will be a stand for righteousness sake not necessarily the gospel because we're saying no this is sin And, um, and, and we love you and we're going to tell you the truth about that issue. Um, and so, yeah. And, and then just really suffering just goes hand in hand with faithful living and, and people are going to persecute you for it. And they're going to disagree with you. And they're going to say comments like you're legalistic. And, um, here's an example. It's not always going to be big things that people kind of slight you for either. It's going to be small things in our family, you know, just because of the life that we lived and we really don't want to open the door for unrighteousness in our home. We have a pretty high standard when it comes to movies and just like content that we're watching. And we use clear play a lot and like editing stuff and, or we just won't even watch the movie. But there was a very popular movie that just came out And uh, it it was the the sequel to a movie in the eighties and everyone was saying how amazing this movie was. And and the movie from the eighties was James's favorite movie, like of all time. And so this movie comes out and we're looking at plugged in online and some other reviews and, and we're going like, Just because christians are telling us this is the most amazing movie that's been made in the last 20 years we can we have this standard that we've set out in our home and what are we saying to our children if we compromise this standard because we really want to watch this movie and because christians are telling us how fantastic the the acting is and the cinematography and it is relatively clean compared to other movies out there but it still didn't reach the threshold for us and some people call that legalistic but so we opted to just say to our kids, you know what, because Caleb has been watching a TV show at, at some point, he was watching a kid show that he loved. And there was a questionable character in it. And he said, mom, I, I can't watch this anymore. They're starting to go in a direction that I don't like. And, and so what am I saying to my kids? If I have a different standard for myself and, um, and so making sure that we there, there, there will be suffering and, and people are going to get really mad at you for taking stands like that. I remember in seminary, we went to go watch the dark Knight. I think, which is a restricted movie. And uh, the only restricted movie we, we kind of watch in our home is the, the passion of the Christ. <laughs> but uh, um, so we went to watch it and we, we just thought it was an amazing movie. And we were in seminary and we came home. And I think Isaac was five. And he said to me, mom, when do I get to see Batman? And, and I said like, never a quarter past, never. You're never watching that movie. It was so dark. (laughs) And so then my friend who has a very Puritan-esque quality to him was like, well, why do you have a double standard? How come it's okay for you to watch, but not okay for your children. And that really struck me as like, I can't have a double standard when it comes to the things that I'm watching. And I really need to evaluate this. So it's going to be little things in your life that people are not okay with you in regards to godly and holy living. And they'll, you know, that's legalistic. You shouldn't be doing that. Just don't, don't worry about pejoratives. If you are doing something because it glorifies God in your heart, and that's the freedom that you have, and you've set up things in your life to protect your own heart Um, because you know, the tendency of your own heart to go in a certain direction, just don't even worry about what people are going to say to you. You just do what you believe through word of God is most honoring to him. And some of these are conscience issues, but it's better to have a clear conscience than to play in some murky water and, and not have that clear conscience.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I completely agree with you And that. I mean, that takes us to our verse. Like it says, a holy calling, right? And so we know that that calling that God has given us um, is, is that we are supposed to live according to Christ with holy standards, with the holy life. And so when it talks about that, we need to understand that um, that that Christ is, has has given us his word to instruct us and it's in godliness. It's not in worldliness. And so we need to remember that that calling on our life that he's talking about Um, it's a, it's not a call to unbelievers, to repentance and salvation, right? Like this is his effectual saving call of believers who've been saved to holy living and ultimately to eternal and perfect holiness. That's what first John three, two says, it says, beloved, now we are children of God. So we're not children of the world. We're not, you know, we're not slaves to what people think movies we should watch or what are, you know, we are children of God. And it says it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So I want to do everything I can as a mom, as a wife, as a sister in Christ, um, in the things that I do to be like him. And like Aaron says, like, if, if people have a problem with you being like him, in holiness. And that's the decision that you make with the movies and this and that, and the standards that you have, they have a problem with the word of God and you wanting to be more holy. I don't think we should ever fault people for wanting to be more holy. If anything, we should be like, wow, you know, I, Aaron's made a great point. Like, I think I want to, I think I'm going to move in this direction. You know, I mean, if we're going to be a city on a hill, if we're going to stand out, then the popular Christian trends and movies and and, and, you know, those kinds of things. And even let's just even get into worship, right. To songs, like we have to be able to refute and to say, no, that if that doesn't make me more like Christ and, and Brad made a good point, you know, we were talking about, you know, Hillsong and Bethel and Jesus culture and all these songs and, you know, churches that are, that are allowing these in worship and, knowingly allowing these and putting this in front of their congregation and these things. And, um, you know, would we, would I let someone from Hillsong give my kid a book? Would I let someone from Hillsong come, you know, talk to my kid about what they believe with theology? Well, then why would I let, why would I want them to lead us in worship to the throne of God? Like why, why is it okay to, so I think we have to be, we have to To want to live holy lives. And that is not popular. And I can't tell you, and I'm sure Aaron can tell you, but we don't have a lot of friends. We, um, we have close people who love us and who want to point us to Christ. Um, but our, our friend little pool is very, is very small because, um, the standards that, that we hold to. And we've been told that and that's okay. You know, if that is what they choose to do then before the Lord, and if that's okay with their conscience and if they see that as freedom or Liberty or legalism, but I just want to look as holy as I can. And I want to do that for Clara. And so if I can't even stand against a popular movie, what am I going to do when someone comes to me and says, we're going to take your Bibles because you you are saying that homosexuality is a sin and that people go to hell who, who practice homosexuality and that God hates, you know, God is going to condemn people for homosexual. Do you believe that? Well, what am I going to do if I can't even say no to watching? I mean, there's a trend where Christians are watching stranger things. I'm like, I can't even fathom that, you know, that's demonic and wicked and, and they're letting their kids watch it. Ah, But I mean, that's the, that's the danger that we have is that we don't want to look like the world. Right. And so we want to represent Christ. We want to represent that to our children. We want to represent that perfect holiness. And so, and we can only grow in our holiness and we won't be perfect till we get to glory. I know that, but I still want to strive to be holy in my living. And so, um, we know that it's according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So that tells us he predestined your life, your plan. It's his purpose, not your own purpose. And that's just with this grace. And so 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 11 tells us Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death. And I'm going to let you talk in this because you'll do a beautiful job and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So what do we learn from that?
0: Yeah. And just quickly jumping back to, um, you know, a holy calling. One of the aspects of a Titus two woman is she's pure and it's like, we're not going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to say, you know what, Aaron, I just think you're just too holy. (laughs) Never. He's going to say the opposite. Like, like I, I'm so tainted by sin and the curse and living in the world. I'm never going to get to heaven. And he says, you're just too holy, Aaron. <laughs> this is not going to happen.
1: Yeah. I said enough. I don't need a, a controversial movie that has scenes or this and that to, to, to show me I'm a sinner. Like I'm already doing that. Why would I head in that direction in anyway for more sin? Like I'm already seeing as it is, you know, like why am I going to lead myself even further into sin and into holiness. And we can honestly say that the movies and the TV shows and those things in the music, like if they don't stress holy living, then that's not going to bring me closer to Christ. Right. Especially when it's, when it's got, we know immorality or, or any kind of, of sin issue, we just should stay away from it. It should be that easy, Yeah. but it, we're, we're, we're sinful people. Um, but like you said, I, we're not going to get to heaven and God's going to go, you know, I'm, you shouldn't have, you should not have, you should have watched that because you were holy enough and it would have been okay if you would have put that in front of your eyes. No, it's not going to be like that. So, okay.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and so this, the verse in, um, I think we're on day four, right. Verse 10. Yes. in that, uh, before the foundation of the world, the Lord has predestined, he has foreordained those whom he would save. And so the father sent the son to accomplish all of this work through being born as a man, the hypostatic union, we know true God, true man, and the one person, Jesus Christ, born up under the law, kept the law perfectly in thought word and deed. where we have not, we have broken every aspect of the law because we know even to break one part of the law is to break the whole part of the law as James um, says, but the Lord kept it perfectly. And so he was able to be our substitutionary atonement upon the cross. And he went there and he was beaten and he was marred and treated more harshly than any human being. The, the God of history being treated the way he was is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and then on that cross, the the father pours out his, his full wrath there, as he drinks the cup of God's wrath, Um, It's poured out upon the son's shoulders for the sin of all of those who would believe, who have been foreordained by the father. And so he makes an actual atonement for sin. He makes a particular atonement for a particular people, which makes it all the much more um, glorious to us. And we know that from, uh, John 17, where, um, Jesus is praying to the father that he, he, um, has accomplished the work that he has sent him to do. And that there are an actual particular people that he is atoning for, and they're in the world, and there's going to be more who are coming into the fold. And so he's actually thinking about particular people, um, in, in, with his high priestly prayer. And James has done a phenomenal job of preaching through that section on John 17. So if you have a chance to go back, on, on the uh, intercession of Christ. I think it's a four-parter, um, just glorious content in that. Um, and so he's making atonement for sin. He drinks every last drop. There is no wrath left for those who will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so he, he appeared for us and he abolished death through his resurrection and because he is resurrected those who have died with christ will be resurrected unto newness of life and so we put off the immortal and put or put off the mortality and put on the immortal in the resurrection but we still die because we're still in this sin cursed world and our flesh has been affected by the curse. And even though we are set free from the domain of Satan and the power of sin and death has been conquered through the death and resurrection of Christ, we will still, this body will still die and it will go into the grave and it will be raised to newness of life in the resurrection. So we will have a new glorified body, this body, will be sown in immortality. And um, that is just a marvelous passage in first Corinthians 15, where um, we see that this body will die. And, uh, and so we see the power of God on display through the gospel in Jesus Christ. He has abolished death. He's nullified it. Um, which I looked at that word there. Okay. So the word abolish, if you look at the times that it is translated in the NASB, it, it, says to make inactive or to nullify released done away with removed, faded away, severed, brought to an end rendered powerless. That's how that word is translated in all of the different scriptures in the new Testament. And all of those tell us just the fullness of what this word means. And that, that that death for the believer has been brought to an end and that we will put on that immortality through the resurrection um, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. And then by his power, he is also brought to light the gospel in the heart of those who are bound in sin and who are in the domain of darkness. And he shines the light of the gospel into their heart and they become new creatures by being born again through a living hope. And, and we have new life and it's marvelous. And so Paul is setting this glorious truth before Timothy. He's putting the resurrection on display to say, Timothy, you can suffer because what is ours in eternity, what is yours in glorification is marvelous. You don't have to You don't have to long for comfort here. You can let it go. You don't have to long for material goods. Everything you have in eternity will be amazing. You don't have to long for the fear of man in this world and compromise and all of that stuff. Let it go and look to what is ours, because when we look to our future hope, which is glorification with Christ in all of eternity, that's going to help us get through. You know, as you're facing, you know, Brooke and I, we both face, um, Autoimmune diseases and and issues that we face, but one of the thing I things that I know helps me get through it is I will have a glorified body, so I can I can by God's grace bear up under the pain that He has brought to me. The excessive fatigue, the, all of the stuff that comes with it, I can bear up under that because I'm so excited about this new body that is going to be able to render the worship to God that I've always longed to give to him, but I feel like is lacking because of my frailty. Um, and so I can look forward to that and that just helps me get through. And so I think that's really what Paul is doing with Timothy here is he's setting before him the, the marvelous power of God on display in the gospel. In the resurrection, and that's going to help Timothy just have the right state of mind as he faces the suffering he's going to face for the cause of righteousness in the gospel.
1: Yeah, it so says he abolished death. How did he abolish? Well, Colossians two fifteen, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Like Christ on the cross came, he abolished death by defeating Satan on the cross, and so that's. I think that's, that's so comforting to know that through that death, right, through the death of Christ, he brought life and immortality because then he rose from the grave, right? And then he ascended and that light is what we have through the gospel. And then Paul says, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher because of the gospel, because of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, being the perfect God-man who came, who put on flesh, who came with immortality, but then veiled that on earth as a human, right? He had everything. He was tempted, but he did not sin. He was perfectly holy because he then was able to carry out the plan of God on the cross to die for our sins because he had to be a perfect atoning sacrifice. And who can do that? But God, but the God-man um, then there's the immortality that he rose from the dead. And so that gives us such a hope to know that, that, that God, the, the true God, the living God living because he rose from the dead, right. Um, that's the light for the gospel. That's the hope we have from the gospel. He put on flesh. He brought the light of the gospel. We saw physical life and death and immortality. And, um, you know, the, those in the old Testament, they saw a shadow. But they didn't see what those New Testament believers. I mean, they saw. I mean, Christ rose from the dead. He appeared to him. He's got, you know, the he's got the scars, and they're able to see this God who they've put their whole faith and truth in. This act of faith actually become immortality. Christ rises. He's there, and um, that's the power that appointed Paul um, to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And so that's just making Timothy aware, like this is the power that we hold to, right? Like the entire, you know, second Timothy one, eight through 11, like we're learning how he's telling them, don't be ashamed of the testimony, you know, have a holy calling, you know, not according to works, but according to his own purpose. And where does that come from? The grace granted in Christ Jesus from all eternity, that has been revealed by the appearing of our savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death right on the cross and then brought that life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that's what they were appointed to. And so um, it's just a it's just more proof for Timothy to hold on to so that he won't become afraid or timid. And and it's the same for us. It's the same encouragement that we have, knowing that our, our God put on flesh. He, he died, he rose. And, um, and we can, we can put our hope in the light of the gospel through that because it's true because we know that he, he accomplished this on our behalf. And so that's what I have for that last part of the, of second Timothy, um, 10, 11. Is there any, is there anything else you want to talk about with that or add to that or?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the glorified state, like he's he's in the resurrected body right now as as like the God man who's in resurrected flesh, glorified flesh. Um, and, and I think that really undoes the argument of the oneness view of God, because the, the glorified son is seated at the right hand of God on on the father's throne right now he has not taken his davidic throne yet uh that will come in the millennial kingdom when he takes the davidic throne but he is still king he's still ruling he's still reigning he's still the same god from isaiah 6 who was who was reigning before the incarnation um but just to realize like he he hasn't taken the mode of of the holy spirit that there is there is uh one god in three people in three persons And, and the son is in glorified flesh. And, and so that, that really just tells us that God is Trinity and uh, three in one, one in three. And, and it's a glorious mystery and uh, something that is historic and orthodox that we have to uphold today. Um, And that the fact that he's in the glorified state just, just tells us that he is a a Trinitarian God. And then the last part is, is I think that we can conquer is um, are there apostles today And we would say, no, there are not apostles today, that there was um, some glaring qualifications of the apostles um, that took place. And number one, to be an apostle, well, first of all, the apostles laid the foundation, the apostles and prophets laid the foundation of the church. And so there is no need for that foundation to be relayed. Um, that foundation has already been laid with the chief cornerstone being Jesus Christ himself. And so we are to build uh, with the spiritual gifts that God has given through evangelists, uh, preachers, and teachers to build on what Peter says in uh, second Peter, where he says, I'm reminding you of what I've already reminded you of, and to be faithful of the truth, because that foundation for the church has already been laid. And that apostles, um, we know from Acts 1, when Judas was no longer an apostle because of his disciple, because of his disobedience, that when they were to choose a new apostle, that that apostle had to be an eyewitness to the life, death and resurrection of Christ, that he had to see that. And we know that Paul obviously had um, saw the glorified Christ on the road to Damascus. And people are saying, well, you know, what? what if God has called me to be an apostle today? Well, we don't need apostles today. That foundation's already been laid. And then to authenticate who the apostles were. Uh, was through signs and wonders and we even see that by the end of the new testament those are already starting to taper off and we know that when paul even says to timothy why didn't paul just heal timothy of his ailments uh, with his his stomach well you know he he said he doesn't he says drink a little wine for your issues um don't just drink water only drink a little wine so that you can um have that bacteria help you with your stomach issues Um, And so we see that areas where Paul could have miraculously healed somebody or done something he didn't. He didn't heal um, Epaphroditus, who in um, Philippians had, uh, he had put his life on the line for the sake of Christ and had become very sick. Paul didn't heal him there. Um, And so that was an authenticating mark to, to verify scripture was that they did these miraculous signs and wonders. And these were not, oh, you know, you have something that we can't see on the outside. No, this was raising people from the dead. This was making blind men see, this was putting new limbs on people, Um, miraculous gifts that authenticated the message until the fullness of scripture was written by the, by the disciples and the prophets. And we now have the canon of scripture we don't need any more. God has spoken. And, uh, and so therefore now the men who speak the truth, speak the totality of the word of God. And again, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers are what we have today, um, to minister to the body of Christ, to, um, bring her to the fullness of maturity.
1: Yeah. And, and so thankful for the triune God, right? Because what, who did, who did Christ, he sent the spirit to impart, the gifts, right? And that's the power that we live in. That's why it says a power. And so we have that. We don't have to be afraid. Like we said, we've, we've talked about power, love, sound mind, but how do we, how do we grow? We grow through the spirit transforming us. And so that's who Christ left us with the counselor, right? Who's going to instruct you. And, and so, so thankful for the triune God, because like Aaron said, we have, we have the immortality of Christ. We have God the Father, God the Son, the light of the gospel. And then we see the Spirit work so beautifully in our churches, right? Because these men have been gifted by the Spirit to be pastors and teachers, not apostles, right? And to carry out the, the calling of the church to be able to be um, effective for the growing up of the body of Christ. And that's what we need. That's what our we need to, that's what we need for our, our pastors and our elders, these gifts that they've been given not everybody has them. Not everybody's qualified to be a pastor or an elder. These are gifts from the spirit. And and we know women are not qualified to be pastors or elders or to teach men. These are gifts that the spirit has been, you know, is, is imparted and we're each given certain spiritual gifts, but those need to be exercised the right way. So it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful triune, like how they, how, how they work together, you know, how build those things. So, um, So, yeah, so that is, uh, the final encouragement at the end of second Timothy that, uh, you know, that Paul gives to to Timothy, he says, for which I was appointed a, a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So he's just reminding him that, um, you know, he doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to be ashamed of the gospel in this section of scripture that we've, that we've read and the testimony of the Lord and that to join him with him in suffering, because that's what that's what we see with as believers that, that, there will be suffering. If we are godly, we will suffer. And so, yeah, that was, that was, this might've been our longest like section. I think of <laughs> there was a lot, there was a lot in there. So, um, yeah. but it was really good. So thank you for your wisdom. I always love getting to to hang out with there. And this is kind of how we hang out too. We get to talk before we record it, we visit and then we record and then we, you know, laugh and talk after that. But, um, you need, um, Paul, Timothy and a Barnabas in your life. Like you need people in your life who are going to spur you on and encourage you because that also makes you bolder ladies. Like, remember this, like Paul is, has walked through this and this has got to give Timothy more accountability to being, to wanting to live a holy life. Paul is charging him to do these things, but he's there so that he can, he can instruct him and and build him up and grow him. And it would be so much easier if, if we were walking through persecutions, if we had someone like this in our life. So that's what Aaron and I are praying for you. You know, that you find a sound church, um, with a sound pastor and elders. And if you're like, we talked about an open hearts, like having a, t- a, a mentor, a spiritually older sister in Christ, mature wise, um, who can pour into you and can strengthen you. Um, because when you make decisions for the faith, and when you want to live a holy living, it, it it's so much easier knowing that when I talk to Aaron, we're going to be on the same page. Like, there's going to be other people that are going to go, that's a little too strict for me. But knowing that there are like minded sisters that are holding the word of God up, that are not ashamed, that are speaking out, that are raising their children this way. That's just a really big comfort. And I think that should be an encouragement to you to find women like this in your life. They don't have to look like you or act like you. They need to love Christ. They want to have a holy living. They want to imitate good things, godly things. They want to flee sin, flee immorality. They want to study the word. They want to read it. They want to make choices in their life that reflect the goodness of the Lord and not running to the world Um, because those are the people that you're going to need and you're going to want when you go through a hard time and suffering like Paul was for Tim, like Paul was for Timothy. He was saying, I've done all this, but here I'm right there with you, you know, and I know that, um, that that had to be a comfort for Aaron. I mean, for James, knowing that Aaron was right there with him. And that their church was standing right there with them, firm, holding to Scripture. And so it's just a great reminder to carry these things out, these truths out in our life as well. So, um, Aaron, with that, I mean, I'm just going to close us in prayer. If that's good, are you are you good?
0: Yeah. Just one last note on verse 11 there, um, for which Paul was appointed a preacher and an apostle. If, if if Timothy was ever questioning, you know, are you in jail and it's not lawful, he's reminding him, "This I've been appointed to this." Mm-hmm who appointed him the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God. And, uh, and, and that would be such an encouragement to him. He's a faithful believer, follow his way. And that's exactly what you were saying. Um, and just that follow faithful women and, and, and faithful pastors and, and pray that your husband is a faithful husband. Um, and, and if you're not married, then obviously that older woman in your life. Um, but yeah, follow those, those people who have been called by God and gifted by God to the glory of God.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's pray ladies. And then we'll, we'll sign off. So heavenly father, thank you so much for this time that we get together with the ladies again, to look at what it means to be a living testimony, to not be ashamed, to suffer for the gospel, to know that you give us that power through the spirit working in us, that we don't have to be afraid or ashamed of the gospel, that we can live a life with a holy calling, looking and moving towards that day when we will be in glory, when there will be no more sin. But as we walk this earth, Lord, as women, as moms, as single women, as um, your children, that we would follow the model of Paul um, to be faithful in the midst of persecution and suffering, and that we would live that truth out like he lived out for Timothy to show him you're not alone so that we can be these kinds of children for you, children of the light who walk in goodness and truth, who model Christ for our children, for our husbands, for the unbelieving world, because we see how much darker it gets every single day. And so we don't want to be women who compromise Um, in our walks with Christ, we want to be women who are diligent, who are alert, who understand what Christ did on the cross with when he died for our sins and that he was resurrected. And that's the light of the gospel. That's the beauty of the Lord that we serve. He is a powerful, he is an all consuming fire. He is a a God who is slow to anger because he wants to see people repent. So I pray that in this time that we would be bold for the gospel, that we would be sharing our faith. We would be living out the truths that we see, even in this dark time, as Paul encourages Timothy to do. So Lord, as we go forth from this time, would you take these truths that we've learned and would you, in these scriptures and And would you remind these women to to hold fast to the word of God, to be, to find like-minded women, to, to want to be holy in the calling that they've been given because they're saved. They're saved and and they'll persevere Lord. um, Because we know that you're a faithful God who will hold us to the end. If we're truly your children, there's no one that can snatch us from your hand, no matter what comes, no matter what pains we suffer no matter what injustices, no matter if we're jailed for our faith, no matter if our friends or our family turn against us, we have you and you will hold us steady. You will keep us steadfast. And what an example to be able to look at scripture and see these faithful saints who, who are an example to us, a shining light, you know, just being on display as a living testimony. May we be that in our lives for you. May we grow in holiness and sanctification. May we study your word, pray, meditate on it. May we not be ashamed of the gospel as we go forth today. And it's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.